Hello and welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod. Coming at you with our Week 13 review recording just after the Buccaneers-Saints game on Monday night. Back from my hiatus, boys. Thank you for holding it down for me last week. Uh, big week for fantasy players this past weekend. Lots of playoff matchups being decided this week. Uh, Cody, Justin, if you guys want to weigh in, how... Uh, how did your weekends turn out from a fantasy perspective? Absolutely terrible um, from my perspective, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, got myself eliminated in two of my leagues this week, and uh, I'm in basically a win-and-get-in situation next week with Jonathan Taylor and Christian Watson on bye. So um, not going too well, but I pretty much wrapped up the number one seed in our league that we're all in together. So um, some ups and some downs, but yeah, Couple, a couple of rough situations last night whenever I realized that uh, I wasn't even going to be making some playoffs. Damn, that is a tough break there, Codes. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I personally uh, locked up a couple playoff spots in my leagues, but I don't have any buys, so I'm going to be stressing big time in Week 15. Uh, lots of first-round playoff matchups, so we're going to see how that goes, but... Uh, week 13, lots of injuries this week, so I'm going to get you updated on those real quick before we jump into the matchups, but before I do that, just want to remind everybody to please comment, like, and subscribe to the videos, or excuse me, the podcast on all platforms. We would love to do a Q&A session at some point. Please leave some comments and let us know uh, about that, but moving into the news and injuries real quick here, on the news front, Baker Mayfield released by the Panthers uh, at his request was the report there. So we'll see if he latches on with another NFL team. I imagine he will clear waivers. I don't I don't think anyone's going to pick up the rest of that contract for Baker. Uh, Jimmy G for the 49ers out for the year with a broken foot. Brock Purdy will start moving forward. Uh, they signed Josh Johnson off the practice squad uh, to back him up off of the Broncos practice squad. So we'll see. If Purdy holds on to the job or if they bring in a veteran, maybe even Baker Mayfield from the uh, the Panthers, it could be interesting. But we'll see how that plays out for San Francisco. Jalen Waddell in that same game, in and out with a leg injury. He did come back, but uh, only one catch for nine yards, so not himself. We'll see uh, how his injury develops moving forward this week. Traylon Burks left very early due to a concussion uh, on the touchdown catch that he made. An incredible play to hold on to the ball. Uh, an extremely dirty hit by the Eagles player as well. So that was really sad to see. I think he was in for a big afternoon if he would have stayed in. But hopefully he uh, misses just the one week and comes back after that. Cortland Sutton left early due to a hamstring injury. Complete dud. Did not catch a ball. Um, and I would imagine he at least misses one week. No reason to rush him back uh, with the Broncos season being in the toilet. Hayden Hurst, he left pretty early with a calf injury, did catch a couple balls, so didn't completely goose you, but uh, I think he left pretty much right at the end of the first quarter, so uh, not a lot of playing time for Hayden Hurst in this one. Tua, uh, he left actually late with an ankle injury. This one I did not pick up on until today uh, because he left super late in this game, so it didn't end up affecting the, the game too much. It was pretty much out of that. This was after the uh, the 49ers had scored the defensive touchdown to put it out of reach. Uh, he's expected to play week 14, so uh, just keep an eye on it, but he should be fine. Trevor Lawrence, he returned after injuring his foot. His week 14 status is up in the air, though, so keep an eye on that if you have one of the Jaguars options. Lamar Jackson, 
He left the game early with a knee injury. This one uh, looks a little more serious. He has already been ruled unlikely to play week 14. I would imagine he misses that one and maybe even another week, uh, but we don't have a ton of updates on that knee injury just yet. Kenneth Walker, breaking my heart, left early in his game as well with a jammed ankle. Uh, never ever seen that on an injury report before, so I don't really know what to expect from that injury. He apparently has a chance to play this weekend, so that's good news. Uh, seems like if he misses a game, it should just be one. And then uh, Mike White was named the starter for Week 14 against the Bills. Hopefully he keeps that job for a couple more weeks for Garrett Wilson's sake and pretty much everyone on that offense's sake. But um, Cody, Justin, any reactions to the injuries and news that I just laid out for you, or do we want to wait until we uh, get to the matchups here? Uh, just Lamar Jackson sucks. I made a trade for him. Uh, one of my leagues that I got eliminated in, I made a trade for Lamar Jackson last week. It was the latest trade deadline of any of my leagues and thought that I had secured my uh, quarterback for a playoff run, and instead he shot me in the foot. And mm. he, literally his knee just uh, – that's rough. It sucks. Hopefully he is uh, – I don't know. Lamar Jackson's situation I think is kind of odd. I think – I mean, do you – play football if you're Lamar Jackson without a contract now I mean that's I mean it could have been an ACL and then he's out for a year without any guaranteed money so I don't know I feel like his situation is going to be a little murky rest of season so if there's a um, a higher end streamer out there you know especially for this week and rest of season I'd go snag him up right away yeah, I mean, I, th I imagine he's going to wait at least a couple weeks, uh, make sure he's 100% healthy there. Uh, hopefully for his sake he does that, but I imagine he will come back when he's healthy, uh, especially because the Ravens are in playoff contention, assuming they don't fall out of it in the next couple weeks. Uh, but that being said, I think Tyler Huntley could be a decent streaming option, so if you don't listen long enough to hear us get to the uh, Ravens-Broncos game when we will talk about Tyler Huntley, uh, if you need a you know emergency pickup option and your your league is sh uh, you know shallow on the waiver wire for the quarterback position, I think he uh, you know he's a decent replacement option. He plays a lot like the sure. starter Jackson, so he should get you some uh, points on the ground at the very least. Alrighty, let's go ahead and move into the Thursday night game: Buffalo at New England. Buffalo takes this one on the road, 24 to 10. My stat of the game in this one: the Bills became the first team to beat the Pats at home three times in a row in the Bill Belichick era. Pretty impressive stat, considering it's been uh, 22 years, I believe. So, uh, pretty long run there, but the Bills have the Patriots' number at least of late. Uh, James Cook's the first guy I want to talk about here in this game. Uh, 20 opportunities, 64 yards on the ground, caught six balls for 41 yards through the air as well. Looked pretty good. Uh, how much do we buy this for the rest of the year? Do we think this is a guy that can maybe win us some fantasy championships or maybe even work into flex play status, Cody? think this is just a one-week thing, or uh, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, if he is out there on waiver wires, he should definitely get picked up this week. Um, he is someone who could win you a fantasy championship, but with that being said, I would be very hesitant to uh, throw him out in my starting lineup next week, especially if I'm in any kind of situation where it's a win and get in. Um, it was a really good game. He was involved quite a bit, but um, you know, we saw once they got right down to the goal line, Singletary trotted right out there and got the touchdown. So... Cook may get a lot of work, but I don't know if he's going to get those valuable touches, um, which could kind of just really hurt his fantasy value um, come playoff time. But 
again, if he's out there, he's definitely worth an add throw on your bench. And, you know, you may have a, uh, you know, like a Devin Singletary from last year who, you know, won plenty of people fantasy championships. So should he be rostered? Yes. Do I think he can turn into something? Yes. But um, as far as, you know, week 14, I think I'm going to have to wait and see it. But if he gets this much involvement again, then I, I would feel good, you know, moving him up into flex consideration. Yeah, certainly worth a pickup. Uh, just for the potential of uh, this offense and just, uh, you know, high, pretty high pick for a running back, second-round pick for the Bills. Clearly they prioritized him to a degree. If he continues to get this amount of uh, target share every week, I think that's kind of the key for his value. If he can maintain yep. uh, four to six targets a week, he's going to probably be at least a flex, and then Pence, uh, just depending on his carry count could be even more than that. But uh, the, the, the Bills running backs have had inconsistent involvement throughout the year, so uh, I think you're going to need to see it another week or two to trust him, and we're already in kind of crunch time here, so we don't have a lot of time uh, to, to figure it out, but definitely worth an ad in case he does take over. Uh, the rest of the Bills options, I don't really have much to say. Pretty unspectacular game, but uh, the Patriots didn't really put a ton of heat on him, so they didn't have to do a ton through the air, and uh, Cook and Singletary had pretty good games on the ground, so... Uh, not much of an opinion change there on the rest of those guys. Uh, the Pats' offense was a little disappointing, though. I thought this Bills' defense was, uh, you know, a little bit down the past couple weeks. Thought the the Patriots had an opportunity to make this uh, a pretty high-scoring game, but they really just didn't show up at all. Ramondre Stevenson, pretty much the only guy that you're looking at right now uh, to have any trust in. He continues to just dominate through the air. Only 6 for 24 in this one. Didn't have his best game at 8 targets. It's hard to argue with. He's a very consistent option. Any uh, Anything you want to add on New England? Uh, and also with Stevenson averaging 5.4 yards per rush attempt as well. So he, he can still get it done on the ground, which is where I had a little bit of concern with him. I thought maybe Damian Harris could come in and get some of that back, but he looks, he looks good in both facets. So um, Stevenson's definitely a lineup lock rest of season, even though a little bit of a disappointing game this week. Yeah, if this is his, you know, this is his floor. You're going to be pretty happy with him moving forward, especially in any PPR situation. Uh, eight targets is really hard to argue with. He's just been too involved in the receiving game to put on your bench in uh, any leagues, basically. Uh, Cleveland at Houston is going to be our first game we're going to look at on the Sunday slate. Uh, one of a, a number of games that was pretty ugly on both sides. Uh, Twenty-seven to fourteen, Houston does take this one. Or excuse me, Cleveland takes this one. Uh, had that wrong in the notes there, but. Uh, three defensive touchdowns on their side, so only 20 offensive points uh, from both teams in this game. Pretty ugly. Uh, my stat of the game, a little bit hard to find one in a game with such little offense, but Denzel Ward became the first player in Brown's history to record multiple fumble recovery touchdowns in a single season. I had to dig deep for that one, but Deshaun Watson, I think, is kind of the story here. He looked really bad. I mean, I, I actually went back and watched uh, some of the tape on his throws here, I because I didn't actually get to see a ton of this game uh, live, but he just spiked some throws that were just dreadful, and he really looked rusty. I, I know we kind of expected this, but Cody, I, are you kind of changing your opinion on these Browns pass catchers and Deshaun Watson uh, from a fantasy perspective, or are you just kind of chalking this up to rust? Um, I mean, you could chalk up a certain, you know, percentage of it to rust, but like you said, I mean, there were multiple passes where he had open guys and just skipped the ball to him. So, um, I know some of that is going to be rust and it should get better, you know, over the next couple of weeks, but I mean, Houston's terrible and, and I would have expected him to at least look a little bit better against that defense. Um, 
Yeah, for, for week 14, I mean, this is coming from a guy who got kicked out of his fantasy playoffs because he played Deshaun Watson this week. So, um, yeah, I, I I guess I still have a chance. I do have to win next week by, like, 40 points. But So, Deshaun Watson won't touch my starting roster. I will go out there, and, and we'll touch on some names to stream this week when we're looking at, you know, some um, options in our later episode this week. But... I don't think you can trust Deshaun Watson. Um, I'm not sure who they play this week, but it just based on how he looked against Houston, and, and I will say that probably was a very hostile environment for him. I'm sure it wasn't too easy to go back there and play there after everything that's happened. But uh, for fantasy purposes, taking all that emotion out of it, I just don't see how you can play Watson. Um, and really, I mean Cooper and Njoku, I. I don't mind them, but, you know, I mean, they're they're still good, but, you know, if Njoku plays next week in Cooper, I, if you have other options available to you, which will be tough in this upcoming week, I would probably try to pivot, but most likely Cooper and Njoku are going to find their way into your lineups if they're both playing. Yeah, they play at Cincinnati next week. Uh, we just saw them do a pretty good job of limiting the Chiefs offense, which I think is a much higher standard than what you're seeing out of this Browns unit right now. So tough to trust Watson, especially, I think, like you said, nowhere near your lineups in any sort of one QB situation. you got to see it from him to trust him at this point in the year. Cooper, I'm going to have a tough time sitting. He did at least have the target share here, got nine of the 22 sure. targets from Watson. I think even if he's still, you know, if he's rusty next week, he's going to have to throw the ball more than he did this week. You give Cooper that even close to that amount of targets, I think he'll come through for you. But uh, he's the only guy from the pass catching standpoint that I'm looking at. David Njoku obviously did not play in this one, so we'll see how his involvement is, uh, you know, how he's worked into this offense with Watson back. But. Uh, other than those two, uh, I, I'm not trusting any of the other Browns pass catchers until I see some improvements from Watson. Um, Chubb, a little bit of a disappointing game, but he's Nick Chubb. Uh, actually, encouraging game from Kareem Hunt just from a you know standpoint of him as an NFL player, still not trusting him in fantasy. I think uh, yeah. on the Texan side, it was good to see Damian Pierce bounce back a little bit here. Didn't score, so didn't have an incredible fantasy game, 73 yards on the ground. Caught all three of his targets for 22 yards through the air, but a solid game for him, and the involvement came back. I think that's really what you were looking for. And uh, next week, he plays at Dallas, so I think you're going to want to avoid him there, but he's just going to be a matchup-dependent guy moving forward. Yep, I agree with you on Damian Pierce. Nico Collins also caught a kind of garbage-time touchdown. Um, If Brandon Cooks misses, I don't mind him as a desperation flex play in uh, full PPR leagues, but he's really not much more besides that. Yeah, I think next week at Dallas, you're you're basically just yeah hands off on all Texans options if you can avoid it in any in any way, shape, or form. Especially considering that's uh it's going to be a playoff week for a lot of people. Pittsburgh at Atlanta is our next game. Pittsburgh takes this one, 19-16, Another very ugly game in this one. My stat of the game: Pat Fryermuth, his 57-yard catch was the longest play by a Steeler so far this season. I think if you told a Steelers fan at the beginning of the year that Pat Fryermuth would have their longest play of the year, they would just uh, they'd throw up their hands and probably give up on their offense, which is probably what they should do. It's a pretty ugly unit. Uh, all the Pittsburgh options beyond Najee and Pat Fryermuth are basically unplayable for me right now. George Pickens, man, um, an absolute dud here against a pretty soft matchup. Two targets, one catch, two yards. I think uh, that pretty much speaks for itself. I, I guess if you want to hang on to him on your bench, you can, but he's unplayable right now. And then Deontay Johnson, if you're in a full PPR and you are completely desperate, fine. You can go ahead and throw him in there. He got 11 targets again, but he continues to be extremely inefficient. Uh, that's pretty much all I have on the Steelers. I think they're pretty easy to, you know, to, to analyze right now. 
Yeah, and for people who are still Pickens truthers because he has had a couple of decent weeks, I believe, and this is coming from the fantasy footballers, in his good games this year, he's averaged 2.5 receptions per game. So he's basically finding the end zone or he's an absolute bust. So um, if you need any more reason to either drop him or move him to your bench, there's, there's just another one for you. Yeah, he's a poor, poor man's Gabriel Davis, and even Gabriel Davis will occasionally, you know, let you down completely in fantasy. So I, I just can't imagine trusting him in any situation right now. And then uh, on the Atlanta side, it's a pretty similar story as far as the lack of options here. Uh, it was nice to see Drake London get a little more involved. He got 12 targets in this one, uh, caught six of them for 95 yards, but Mariota missed him on a number of plays, could have had a much bigger day. Uh, this is mostly just for dynasty and keeper leagues. I still don't think you can even get close to trusting him in a uh, redraft league. And then Cordell Patterson, looks like he's going to settle into that flex range, has not really taken over the backfield like we thought he might here. 11 carries again, 60 yards. Looked okay, but Algier has remained consistently involved. It seems like it's going to be a split the rest of the year. Yep, I agree with you. Really, I mean, Patterson's a flex play, and then Drake London is maybe a flex play if you're, you know, really have no other options. But besides that, really just try and avoid, avoid Atlanta um at all if at all possible for you green bay at chicago is our next game green bay with the comeback win 28 to 19 on the road in this one my stat of the game it has to be christian watson based he became only the second rookie wide receiver to record eight touchdowns in four games randy moss was the other one that's a pretty decent company to be in uh christian watson has done it on only 17 touches in those four games absolutely incredible efficiency from him uh, I think beyond Watson, A.J. Dillon is kind of the story from the Packers' offense in this one. He looked very good once again, two games in a row for him. Aaron Jones being banged up had a large part to do with it, but uh, are we interested in Dillon the rest of the year, or is it just going to basically depend on Jones' health for you? It, it will depend on Jones's health. I think if Jones is healthy, he will be the, uh, the main back. But if A.J. Dillon's out on your waiver wires and you are – you know, currently rostering some of these guys that we mentioned, you know, like a George Pickens, for instance, oh, yeah. go out there, go get A.J. Dillon. You know, the RB position is going to be extremely, extremely vital down the stretch. I mean, last year, like I said, Devin Singletary won people championships, Rashad Penny won people championships, all kinds of different things like that happen. So if A.J. Dillon got dropped at some point this season and he's still not on a roster, make sure to put a waiver claim in for him this week. Yeah, they do unfortunately go on by, so you're not going to have a ton of clarity on this situation heading into the playoffs in Week 15, but definitely worth an ad. Like Cody said, these type of guys yeah. win you titles. Want to shoot for upside on your bench at this point in the year. No sense in hanging on to you know flex of you know flex range guys at this point in the year. You want to swing for the fences. Christian Watson, let's go ahead and talk about him. Uh, six targets, three catches, 48 yards, and a score. And then the reverse at the end of the game to, to really blow this game up for him. 46-yard uh, touchdown on his only rush. He is electric. That is undeniable at this point. Eight touchdowns in four games pretty much speaks for itself. But... Uh, he's going to be hard to sit moving forward. I just I see a dud coming here, Cody. I know I said that last week, and he keeps proving me wrong, but you just cannot expect this ratio to continue. I need to see more than four. I think four catches is the most he's had in a game so far this year. Incredible to think about with how, uh, you know, how re relevant he has been for fantasy. But it's just uh, that's not a recipe for success long term, in my opinion. I, I think you're hoping that he just gets more involved because he's been so good with his limited touches. What, uh, how do you value him rest of season? 
Yeah, I, I think he still kind of fits into that probably the lower end wide receiver two, maybe 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 even still wide receiver three, basically just all because he doesn't get the touches. I mean, if he ends up with three for six for 48 yards and zero touchdowns, let's say that rushing attempt just didn't even happen, you're going to look at him and you'll be like, dang, this is the week that everyone's been waiting to happen. So he is finding the end zone at an incredible rate. Like Nick said, it's going to be hard to put him on your bench. I mean, the guy's putting up multiple touchdown weeks, you know, very consistently the past month so um but you know you do have to have that in the back of your mind there has to be a dud coming at some point you know we always talk about just the law of averages over time you know you're not gonna get 17 touches and score eight you know eight touchdowns there's a chance he could go 60 touches in a row now without getting a touchdown and he's still gonna have a good you know touchdown per reception ratio so um, with that being said, I mean, I've been vocal about having Christian Watson in a lot of leagues. I'm very excited. My main thing is, he is their deep threat. So there's always the chance of like a Gabe Davis type long touchdown that, you know, can just save your week with one play. Um, and then he's also, I mean, he is the guy that Aaron Rodgers is looking at in the red zone right now. So um, that, that does mean something to me, it, you know, so, but ultimately, like I said, there is going to be correction coming. Hopefully, you know, they just wait till next year. But um, I, I'd imagine that there's going to be a game where he just doesn't score a touchdown and he's going to end up with, you know, f- three to five catches for 50 to 60 yards, zero touchdowns. They're going to look at it and just be like, all right, you know, that week was coming. But, I mean, it, it's going to be hard to take him out of your lineup. He is going on a bye, so you got to make it through this week and – you know, hopefully that dud game doesn't come during your fantasy playoffs, but it more than likely will. Yeah, the other thing to keep an eye on there is Aaron Rodgers sitting down at some point if the Packers move out of playoff contention. They're still on the fringes of playoff contention at this point at five and eight, but they could easily be out of it by week, you know, sixteen or so and have a couple weeks left in the fantasy playoffs. They turn to Jordan Love at that point. I'd probably be pivoting. Just you know, I'd be a little too scared to trust Jordan Love in my semifinal or championship round. Um, yeah. Let's move to the Bears here. Uh, Justin Fields. I think he looked really good on Sunday. Had a couple bad throws at the end of the game. Obviously, uh, the, the last one I'm not really going to hold against him. Down two scores under two minutes left. The first pick was a pretty bad throw, I will say, but 20 of 25, 254 yards through the air, over 10 yards per attempt. I think this is probably his best game throwing the ball at least this season. And then uh, six rushes for 71 yards on the ground and a touchdown showed his absolutely electric ability with a 50-plus rush, 50-plus uh, yard touchdown once again on the ground. Uh, it's hard to count on these sort of things, similar to Christian Watson, but they keep happening for Justin Fields, Cody. I'm a little biased, so I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you. Uh, tell me where we are with Justin Fields right now, rest of season. Was this enough for you to move him back into the league-winning category? Or are we considering a low-end starter? Is he more of a streamer? Uh, where would you value him right now? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to put him in as a starter basically every single week. I mean, even if it's a bad matchup and, you know, they're going to get – you know, I guess down and he's going to have to throw the ball. I mean, he's just always liable to take off and run. So, um, and also in the red zone, I mean, he's a threat to score a touchdown. I mean, he's a threat to score a touchdown from anywhere on the field, let alone if they get inside the 20 and he can, you know, get moving around out of the pocket. So, um, yeah, I I would have to have a very high end streamer in a good matchup to think about moving off of Justin Fields at this point. Um, he, he can be a league winner. The shoulder's a little bit concerning, and they did kind of play him a little bit more conservatively. But even with the conservative game plan, you know, he, we saw what he could do. And, 
you know, took 150 yards for a touchdown. So um, I would like to see a little bit more, I guess, um, just with, you know, the passing ability. Obviously did not get throw any passing touchdowns this week. But, you know, when you have a rushing floor that of that caliber, it's, it's hard to take those kind of guys out of your lineup. Yeah, I think the the one concern you kind of touched on there for me is that rushing uh, volume. Only six carries in this one. Clearly, the Bears were you know treating him with some kid gloves in this game. There was a few times I saw. I was watching this game rather closely, if you can believe it. I have Justin Fields obviously in a few uh, important places, but it seemed like they were just really, really conservative on a few plays. That even more so than usual, you know, third and sixes where they're just handing the ball off to David Montgomery, taking the, you know, punting the ball away. They just they really wanted to protect Justin Fields in this one. So has a bye this week, comes back, plays the Eagles at home. I'll be interested to see if they continue treating him with kid gloves in in a sense or if they kind of open it up a little bit with him uh, hopefully a week healthier after the bye. Uh, Cole Komet is the other guy I would kind of want to mention here on the Bears side. I think he could be a, a sneaky good tight end option in the playoffs in the absence of Darnell Mooney. Got seven targets in this one, caught six of them for 72 yards, so didn't score but still had a really good week. I think uh, he might be a solid starter moving into the playoffs. The tight end position is absolutely dreadful right now, as we will get into. But he was uh, – I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I would bet he was a top five tight end this week. It was just – it was a horrible week for tight ends. And if you don't have Travis Kelsey, uh, I think you're basically looking for a starter right now, and uh, Cole Komet could be that guy. Yeah, just barely outside the top five. Finishes yeah. the tight end six this week, uh, but that's also without getting in the end zone. Right. I think basically everybody above him besides Gerald Everett and Greg Dulcich at least scored a touchdown. So, um, yeah, I'm right there with you, Cole Komet. I mean, if he's he probably has been picked up during this Justin Fields hype, but just double-check he's not out there. And he's going on by. So if someone were to drop him because he's on by and you're locked up for your fantasy playoffs, go ahead and add him if you're streaming the tight end position. Jaguars at Lions is our next game. Detroit blows out the Jags at home in this one, 40-14. They controlled this one throughout my stat of the game. This one uh, I think is pretty fantasy relevant moving forward. I, I kind of want to get into a conversation about this when we talk about ETN. But Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott on October 23rd were the last two running backs to score 10 half PBR points against the Lions. That's not a very high line, and that is quite a long time uh, for them to be you know, that good against the running back position. So I think that is something we kind of have to keep in mind. This matchup might not be as juicy as it was earlier this year. Uh, on the on the Lions side, it was a pretty disappointing effort from the offense as a whole, obviously only 14 points in this one, especially Trevor Lawrence. He did get dinged up, so I don't want to, uh, you know, completely bash him here. Uh, 179 yards through the air on 17 of 31. Did throw a touchdown, four rushes for 32 yards, uh, and a lot of quarterbacks dudded this week so his performance probably doesn't stand out as much as it might in uh you know a normal week where all the quarterbacks are not disappointing us but uh how uh how do you view this jacksonville offense moving forward cody assuming let's say lawrence is healthy are you back to trusting him next week as a streamer or does this kind of scare you off of him uh moving into the playoffs uh, let me get pull up there. They get tennessee this next week and then uh let me see their schedule yeah, I mean, you can throw on Tennessee, but in a divisional matchup, I don't know if I want to have to go right back out there trusting Lawrence. I think in the passing game, I, I I don't think you can move away from Christian Kirk if you have him. He's been pretty solid even with Trevor Lawrence being up and down. So 
I think Christian Kirk's probably locked in, but besides that, I think, you know, both Lawrence and the other pass-catching options, well, I'm going to throw Ingram Ingram to the side just because he's a tight end, but like uh, Zay Jones or any of those other pass-catchers, I'm probably looking to avoid right now. Um, and then if Lawrence misses, I mean, Christian Kirk, again, going to be hard to bench, but if Lawrence is gone, I'm not even sure who their backup is in Jacksonville, so you may even have to look at you know benching Christian Kirk if Lawrence does miss. Yeah, I think if Lawrence is out, you're almost pivoting off of all Jacksonville options except Travis Etienne. Uh, I think they'd probably feature him pretty heavily, so I'd probably still be comfortable using him, but that would be it uh, if Lawrence is out. Zay Jones, like you said, a complete dud. Still got seven targets, only two for 16. I think we should have probably seen this coming after his big week. This just... You know he has he has he's been in the NFL for quite a long time has not established himself as a consistent uh, dominant wide receiver so uh, I think I think yeah. weeks like this are just going to be to be expected for him I think if Lawrence is healthy going into next week against Tennessee we just saw the Eagles throw all over them I would be okay with him as a flex option especially with six teams on a bye and then Travis Etienne. He had a pretty, uh, he had, I'll call this a dud as well. 13 for 54 on the ground, three catches for 12 yards, and then lost a fumble. That kind of, uh, you know, puts that into the dud category. But as I said above, this matchup is probably a bad one for running backs moving forward. Um, I, I think that's something we need to consider in our, you know, previews. We've just been kind of chalking the Lions up as an easy matchup, but that's probably not something that we can do. This is a pretty large sample size we have now since October 23rd. That's, I believe six games, unless there's a buy in there. Even though, even so, it'd be five games of uh, you know pretty decent uh, run stuffing ability from this Lions team. So just something to consider moving forward. Uh, anything else you want to add on Jacksonville, or do you want to move on to the uh, the Lions? Yeah, no, we can go ahead and move on to the Lions. The Lions are on a damn roll right now, Cody. If they had won that game yep. against the Bills, uh, I think yep. this team would basically be a shoe-in for the playoffs. I think they still have a pretty good shot. The Commanders and Giants are you know, not the strongest teams uh, at the, the back end of that playoff race, but they dominated this one from the start. Jared Goff had a fantastic game, 340 yards and two scores through the air. He has looked really good, especially the last few weeks. Got to give him some credit. And then DeAndre Swift, he's the big story in this one, and maybe even the biggest story from the you know the whole Sunday from a fantasy perspective. 14 carries, 62 yards, and a score. Uh, four for six, 49 yards through the air as well. You know, not a huge fantasy day. Definitely did well for you, but I think the more important part is that he was just back to being the DeAndre Swift we kind of expected from the beginning of the year as far as usage goes. 20 opportunities. If he's anywhere near that moving forward, I think he could definitely be a league winner for you, uh, especially if you bought low on him towards the end of uh, you know to the end of the trade season because he was his value was pretty low, and it seems like he might be back to what uh, the role we expected him to have. Yeah, and Jamal Williams, if you ended up starting him again this week, he got his one-yard touchdown run, so <laughs> he, um, he, he didn't completely dodge it there. Yeah, 13 touchdowns on the year by Jamal Williams, so he is he is a specialist, to say the least. Um, and also, just want to give a quick shout-out to uh, your guy, Amon Ross St. Brown. He is amazing. He's, he's good and, at football. Uh, yeah, deserves a shout-out. And I, again, like you said, Jared Goff also, I mean, Again, I've, I've said it a couple times on here, but he just throws a beautiful football. I mean, it just it, the way it just lands into his receiver's hands are almost perfect. If he had any bit of Justin Fields' mobility, he would be a probably above-average quarterback in the NFL. Just unfortunately, probably 20 years past when he would have been a prime quarterback in the NFL. 
yeah, this Lions team kind of allows him to uh, play to his strengths. They just have a great offensive line. Uh, they allow him to stand back in the pocket, especially against teams like the Jags that don't have an elite pass rush, and he carved them yeah. up all day in this one. And, yeah, Monroe St. Brown definitely the beneficiary of that. Uh, the Detroit Lions schedule in the next few weeks is very juicy as well. They play Minnesota at home. That should be a shootout. At the Jets, you don't love that one. That could be a tough one first week of the playoffs. Uh, but then at Carolina and then versus Chicago to close it out. So should be a decent end of the season there other than that Jets matchup for these Lions options. Uh, hopefully DeAndre Swift continues his involvement. Uh, speaking of the Jets in Minnesota, that's the next game we have on the docket here. Look at that transition. 27-22, uh, to 22, Minnesota takes this one at home. My stat of the game, this Vikings defense has yielded uh, – excuse me, they yielded 486 total yards in this game. That is their fourth straight game, allowing at least 400 total yards. That's not very good, and I think it just kind of speaks to the fact that they have just been winning all of these games by, you know, just the skin of their teeth every single time. It's it's miraculous how, how often they've done it. I think a five-point margin does not tell the story in this one. Um, they, the Jets had multiple opportunities right at the end of the game to win this one, and the, the Vikings just held on, but... Uh, the Jets, uh, as I said, they missed a huge opportunity in this one. They really should have won this game. They outgained Minnesota by about 200 yards. And, again, they, they got stuffed on the one with about two minutes left and then, again, threw a pick in the red zone uh, with about 30 seconds left to lose it. But their, de <laughs> their defense is very good. So they, uh, they have an opportunity here to be a team no one wants to play against in the playoffs. But Garrett Wilson, he is also very good at football. He continues to emerge. 8 for 15. 15 targets, 162 yards, and he really could have had an even bigger day. Mike White missed him on a couple of throws where he got behind the defense and might have housed one of those and just gone nuclear, but he uh, he is a must-start right now until, and please don't, but if Zach Wilson comes back, I think at that point you can have a conversation, but right now he's locked in your lineup. Uh, anything you want to add on Garrett Wilson, or uh, is he pretty much just a lineup lock moving forward? Yeah, he's a lineup lock as long as Mike White or, I mean, even if Joe Flacco were to for some right. reason become quarterback, either of those two guys, Garrett Not Wilson's Zach a lineup Wilson. lock. The only one you're worried about is Zach Wilson. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Zonovan Knight, he looked pretty good in this one. This was a tough matchup coming in. Minnesota has been pretty good against the run, not so much against pass-catching running backs, but uh, Knight still took advantage of it. 15 carries, 90 yards, caught five balls uh, for 28 yards as well. He looked the part, uh, and I think I would expect him to be involved moving forward. It's going to be tough to know how involved he's going to be if Michael Carter comes back. That's just going to be a really crowded unit at that point with Ty Johnson, Michael Carter, and Bam Knight involved. I'd expect James Robinson to be sitting at that point if uh, if Carter's healthy, but still. Uh, I think Knight's definitely worth at least holding on to and seeing if he can establish himself as the lead guy here, but I like what I've seen from him just as a player. Uh, do you agree with Zonovan Knight, or are you not as uh, high on him? No, I am high on him. Freaking Joey beat me by a dollar to pick him up last week. I was <laughs> I <saw> pissed. <laughs> Sniped me, man. I was I was so mad when I woke up and saw that. Um, no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Zonovan Knight. He's looked really good. Um, obviously, when Michael Carter comes back, we'll see how it kind of plays out. Um, but 
um, yeah, I, I think he he's looked really good. He's looked the part, and you know Michael Carter hasn't done anything to really dominate this backfield this year. So um, you know, we obviously when Brees was around, he was the number one guy. So not saying Zonovan Knight can turn into Brees Hall, but I mean he could end up becoming their number one option in the running back room. So if he somehow slipped through waivers last week, I would definitely be going out there to pick him up right away. Yeah, this regime just does not seem like they believe in Michael Carter as any sort of lead back in this offense. Obviously, drafting Brees Hall in the second round to start the year, then once Brees goes down, trading for James Robinson, and then uh, you know giving Knight the opportunity after Carter got banged up. So I think he definitely has an opportunity to, to, to be the lead guy moving forward. Uh, it's going to be tough to start him, again, if Carter comes back and you don't know the split, but he's at least worth hanging on to. On the, the Minnesota side of things, Dalvin Cook was really the only bright spot here. He looked pretty good. Uh, efficiency was okay, but tough sledding against this Jets front. Still did well for you. 20 carries, 86 yards on the ground, did score, caught a couple passes, but negative three yards on those. Uh, still, I think he was uh, saying he's the only positive, uh, positive part of this Vikings offense should tell you what you need to know about the rest of it. Kirk Cousins did not look very good in this one. 173 yards and a score through the air on 21 of 35 passing. Uh, this Jets defense is really good, and Kirk uh, did not look very good himself in this one. So those two things combined led to a down day for everybody not named Justin Jefferson, and even Justin Jefferson did not have you know what you'd call an incredible day by his standards. But uh, do you have anything you want to add on the Vikings, or are we just kind of chalking this up to a tough Jets unit? Yeah, I mean, I think that just says more about the Jets' defense. If you have any, you know, playoff schedules where they are going to be playing the Jets, it's going to be a rough week for you. So if you don't have a an elite, elite guy like a Cook or a Justin Jefferson going up against them, you probably want to take a look at pivoting against them that week. Yeah, I would agree. Tough day for Hawkinson and a tough day for Thielen. But Thielen, again, we've kind of said boom, bust, flex guy. That's sort of who he's been all year. And then Hawkinson, all tight ends are horrible. So he's fine moving forward. He's still got, you know, he was uh, he was involved enough. He'll be okay moving forward. Uh, Commanders at Giants is our next game. A 20 to 20 tie in this one. Uh, <laughs> absolutely nail biter on the under call for me here. It was at 40 and a half. And that went 20 to 20. I thought I was done for, but uh, the Giants and the Commanders absolutely inept from that point on. So thank you guys for that. Cashing my under by half a point. We love to see that. My stat of the game, uh, the Giants overtime punt on fourth and three from the Washington 45 with 142 left in overtime. Ranked in the 99.9th percentile of cowardly punts on the surrender index. I know no one that's listening knows what that means, but just trust me, that is a, uh, a metric that a content producer named John Boyce created that just basically tries to quantify how cowardly uh, any punt, any one punt is from an NFL team, and it just factors in game situation and all that. And uh, that's that's not something that you want to be. You know, we want to hang your hat on that. That is just a, it's a cowardly move from a team that just, you're playing for a tie at that point. You basically just conceded the tie and you are, you know, not playing for the win in the Giants case on fourth and three from the opponent's 45. I think you got to go for that every time. But uh, from a fantasy perspective, good bounce back from Terry McLaurin. He had a good game. I think uh, we just kind of know what to expect from him at this point. He's a back-end wide receiver, too. He's going to be a little boom-bust because uh, Taylor Heineke is his quarterback. But 12 more targets, 8 for 105 to the air and a score. He looked pretty good. Uh, Brian Robinson, 
he continues to get the volume, but if he doesn't score, the, the production's pretty empty. Uh, 96 yards on the ground, caught two passes for 15, for 15 yards. So, okay day for him, but again, unless he gets in the end zone, you're not going to be thrilled with his production. I think this is probably, you know, this is a, about as good as you can hope for if he doesn't score in this game. Taylor Heineke, he was mostly really, really bad in this one, to be honest with you. He really just does have an absolute flair for the dramatic, though. Uh, he made multiple great throws uh, on their last touchdown drive to tie it at the end of the fourth quarter there. So ended up with 275 and two through the air, which is an okay line, but a lot of that came uh, with you know from two minutes in the fourth quarter on. At that point, he was uh, not having a very good game, but. Uh, they're going to have a really tough decision, Cody. What do you what do you do if you are the Commanders moving forward? Heineke winning all these games for you, but uh, I just I think it's really clear he is just not the long term answer. Do you think the Commanders will have the stones to move off him in the offseason? I I don't know. I mean, they're a franchise that I mean, really, if you could stay right around five hundred, they're probably going to be pretty happy with you. So, I mean, he's he's doing what he has to right now to kind of maintain their. Um, I think if, if they're moving off a of Heineke, it's going to have to be for someone that's like a clear upgrade, and, and we'll probably get into some of those options, you know, when the, um, you know, offseason comes around. But, I mean, right now, I don't I don't know who they'd go out and get or who they'd acquire that they would, you know, start over Heineke at this point. So, I think right now you have to you have to assume Heineke's the guy moving forward. I mean, they're just their their records too good for them to be able to get you know one of the top two or three quarterbacks coming out in this year's draft. So, um, yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, I personally, if I was a Commanders fan, I know Heineke can be a lot of fun to watch and he's fun to root for, but that's not a guy who's gonna you know take you to the promised land, as they say. So. I think they have to try and move off of them as hard as that is, but you know it's going to be it's going to be tough to find someone that they're going to be able to throw in there um, with as much confidence, I guess, as they're playing with Heineke. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think you're not, you know, if you're the if you're the Commanders, you're not looking at that Carson Wentz level upgrade. I think if you have a, a clear upgrade to a you know a Kirk Cousins type, someone at that level, then you probably make that move. But otherwise, I think you just kind of let Heineke ride it out, and if he, you know kind of the wheels fall off there for Heineke, then you just kind of uh, hope you are bad enough to get into range to draft a quarterback the year after that. But. So I I have a name, but I, now obviously this really gets, you know, questionable. Would you would you think they'd go Jimmy Garoppolo over uh, Taylor Heineke? I, I just, that, that one's tough because it's just kind of the eye of the beholder there with Jimmy Garoppolo. Some people think he is that Kirk Cousins level player. I think he's more of the Carson Wentz level player. So if I was the commanders, I would not make that pivot personally, but I could right. see them talking themselves into it. I think that is kind of the one name that sticks out as a very uh, you know distinct possibility for the commanders. So we'll see if they decide to make that pivot. I don't even, I, I just, I'm not convinced he is an upgrade over Heineke. I think you might just end up in the same situation you were this year, you know, turning to Heineke mid season and hoping he can uh, save your playoff hopes, but we'll see how it turns out. Uh, I, yeah, for, sure. for the fantasy side of things, it's it's McLaurin and it's Brian Robinson basically right now for the Commanders, and you're not really looking anywhere else. Uh, they do have a bye next week as well, so just keep that in mind. Darius yep. Slayton on the Giants side, he's really the only guy that I think is worth a conversation right now. I mean, obviously Saquon Barkley is who he is. He had an okay day, uh, started out really well, and then sort of fell off, but this is a tough Washington front. We told you it was going to be tough sledding for him, so 
he ended up with a touchdown and about 70 total yards. He did okay for you. Darius Slayton, though, he has worked his way into trustworthy status for me. He's been consistently involved. He's kind of the last man standing from the receiver perspective in New York, but he's actually looked the part, and I think uh, you know he presents as a low-end wide receiver two type, maybe more of a high-end wide receiver three. Uh, I might be a little bullish on him, but six for eight for 90 yards. Uh, his floor has been pretty high, and I think he's looked pretty good. The Giants desperately need him, too. They really don't have any playmakers on the outside side besides him yeah absolutely and uh our boy bellinger actually was back this week as well oh yeah uh, i did not see what his stat line looked like let me pull uh, it up real quick i did see something that said go out there and pick up daniel bellinger five for five for 24 yards so i mean he did see some involvement as well so um i guess if you're really desperate at the tight end bellinger is now someone that <laughs> yeah, you can consider again in the but, tight end uh, landscape that might make you relevant five targets is uh, at least worth mentioning i think the segment will at least make a return on next week's podcast so stay tuned for that for sure but yeah as far as any other pass catching options it's basically slayton and nobody else so um i do think it's a little bit scary just because you're always going to have daniel jones as your quarterback but like you said you got to throw the football to someone i mean even daniel jones is going to complete 15 to 18 passes you know per game basically minimum so you know depending on their game script so I I do think that Darius Slayton is someone that should be played just based on pure need yeah I think he uh he he presents a pretty safe floor for you for a Giants pass catching room that's really been looking for someone to do that for them so if you if you picked him up off of waivers a couple weeks ago you found yourself a decent flex option moving forward um let me see who they play uh, the next couple weeks here. The Giants play uh, Philadelphia at home next week. That'll be tough sledding, but then they get Washington again, and then Minnesota, uh, and then Indianapolis. So not the worst schedule in the world. I think Slayton could be a decent option for you moving forward. Cody, do you want to go ahead and take over the next matchup for me? For sure. We got Tennessee at Philadelphia. Philadelphia absolutely dominated this game 35-10. to 10. Um, That's something. And specifically, A.J. Brown did. Uh, But let's start here with the away team in Tennessee. Um, As Nick mentioned in his injury highlights there, uh, Burks got a touchdown on his lone target. Really nasty-looking hit. Got concussed out for the rest of the game. Um, Just with the way that concussions go and especially how, you know, really bad this one looked. I mean, he basically looked like he got knocked out midair and then fell. Luckily, I mean, the fact he was able to hold on to the ball is remarkable because you'd imagine that his extremities, you know, weren't feeling too much at that point. Um, I I would imagine he's going to miss this upcoming week. So um, probably going to be without him, but, um, you know, Again, kind of a rough situation there. So with Burks going down, I really think that just goes with Derrick Henry, and that's about it moving forward. And this week, you weren't very happy with Derrick Henry. Basically got phased out due to game script. Only two for three for eight yards through the air, 11 rushes for 30 yards. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just take your bonus out here. Derrick Henry's longest carry in the past month is just 10 yards. He did have that... You know, 60, 50, 60, 70 yard catch the other day right. or the other week screen pass. But besides that, as someone who had Derrick Henry in a league that I, I one of my more competitive ones, he has he's really cost me over the past couple of weeks. Um, besides that one Green Bay game, so again, I don't think there's any way you're taking Derrick Henry out of your starting lineup. But you know, if there's a situation where Tennessee gets down big and has to throw the ball. I mean, he just, he doesn't, he's not involved enough in the passing game to really have any kind of a safe floor um, with that kind of game script. 
Yeah, the good news on Derrick Henry is his schedule moving forward is absolutely incredible. Uh, he plays Jacksonville next week at home. That should be a solid one. At the Chargers, they've been one of the worst run defenses in the league. And then he gets to play the Houston Texans, who he has absolutely dominated over the past couple of years. So Derrick Henry should be just fine moving forward. I think that stat was just more interesting than anything else. Um, but, yeah, definitely tough sledding for him in the past couple games. And like you said, if the Titans go down big, he struggles because he is just not involved in the passing game. Yeah, absolutely. And then the Philadelphia side, super easy here. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith all had boom games this week. Um, we'll see what happens when Goddard comes back, but until then, all three of these guys are locked into your lineup. Really the one player I think we can have a conversation about is Miles Sanders. Um, only saw 10 carries for 24 yards. Luckily got saved by a touchdown this week. Um, but I just, with a big lead, I would have expected him to have a little bit of a better day. Granted, Tennessee's, you know, kind of has that uh, pass funnel defense there. They don't really give it up to the running back very often. But with that being said, we've kind of had a little bit of doubts with Miles Sanders already. Nick, his next four games are going to be against the Jets. That, or, I'm sorry, against the Giants. That's a tough matchup. Chicago, an easy matchup. At Dallas, a tough matchup. And then New Orleans, Kind of goes back and forth on whether or not their run defense is good. Uh, do you have confidence in Miles Sanders coming down the stretch of your fantasy playoffs? Yeah, I think you have to. As you said, uh, Tennessee, one of the toughest matchups in the league, maybe even the toughest for running backs. Uh, seems like the Eagles just kind of, you know, leaned into the uh, the passing side of things here with their, you know, elite wide receiver options on the outside. So I think Sanders will be just fine moving forward, especially in games where, you know, they have a little bit easier sledding. I think that Giants matchup's a little more neutral, especially recently. I think they were, uh, you know, a little better at the beginning of the year against the run. I think he should be okay there, at least hopefully. And then uh, that Chicago game, which should be just fine. And then Dallas, maybe the one tough one on that slate. But uh, I think you got to trust Sanders. The, the state of the running back position is, you know, mediocre right now, to say the least. So I, I have a hard time seeing any scenario which I'd be sitting Miles Sanders. Gotcha. Sounds good. Well, let's go ahead and move over to Seattle at the Rams. Uh, Seattle Seahawks at the Los Angeles Rams. Seattle snuck this one out 27-23, uh, an oddly competitive game here. Uh, let's start here with the Seattle side. Uh, Geno Smith, I mean, he just continues to deliver for these wide receiver options. I've been on the podcast saying that, you know, I, I think there just has to be a correction coming for Geno Smith, but... It just does not seem to be coming anytime soon. Uh, he has been really, really good um, for the Seahawks this year. It's QB7 on the year. Um, that was before the Monday night games, but I don't think Brady or Dalton did anything to pass him up. So QB7 on the year, I mean, it's been a great pickup and a solid starter really consistently throughout. Um, Lockett and DK Metcalf continue to be lineup locks with boom games you know in the cards with geno smith at quarterback so you know lockett nine for 12 128 and a touchdown metcalf eight for eight 127 and a touchdown so uh those guys are you know potential league winners again we'll see if geno can keep it up but at this point i don't know how you can um go you know kind of doubt him it right now um but the big news on the seattle side kenneth walker gets banged up um Ken, p carroll did say there's a chance he plays this weekend so that is good news that he isn't going to be done for the rest of the season. But you may want to potentially, you know, plan to be without Kenneth Walker this year, or not this year, this week, um, if you are in one of those win and get in situations. 
Yeah, as a Kenneth Walker fantasy owner, that was a, a very tough one to watch. But uh, yeah, I think uh, we kind of avoided the worst case scenario here. Looks like he might even play this week uh, as a you know as a guy that is in the playoffs in a couple leagues in which I own Kenneth Walker. I would just please ask Pete Carroll to sit him this week, get him healthy, and uh, you know ready to go for the fantasy playoffs and a stretch run for the uh, the Seahawks. I think they should be able to handle the Panthers at home without Kenneth Walker. So no reason to, to run him out there and risk further injury. Again, a jammed ankle. I've, I've never heard that before. And there's been a lot of injuries in the NFL the past few years that I have uh, you know been looking into. So that that's a weird one. And I don't really know what to expect. But I think uh, give him a week off and he should be fine moving forward. Uh, before we move on to the Rams side, I want to get my stat of the game because I really like this one. It's on Geno Smith. He has 12 consecutive games with an 80-plus passer rating and a 60-plus percent completion percentage. There have only been two other guys to do that in uh, 12 straight games in NFL history. Peyton Manning in 2009, he won the MVP. And Aaron Rodgers in 2011, he also won the MVP. So Geno Smith, uh, keep going, kid. You are You are absolutely killing it this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I have one more on Geno here as well. Um, he is the first Seahawks quarterback to have six consecutive games of a passer rating over 100. So um, doing some unprecedented things up there in Seattle this year. So good for him. Like I said, I kind of had predicted that he was going to have to turn you know, back to the old Geno Smith at some point, but he does not want to. Like he said, he did not write back when everyone wrote him off. So right. on the Rams side here, Cam Akers was the guy for them this weekend. 17 rushing opportunities, 60 yards, and two touchdowns. If you're RB needy and you need someone to, to add and you know play this upcoming week, he's someone that you can look at, but... I'm still worried about the week-to-week volatility with this offense and this running back room. Um, you know, Kyron Williams really didn't get any involvement, surprisingly enough. I kind of expected him to get a little bit of a tick up. But, um, Nick, I mean, I mean, would you feel comfortable playing Cam Akers next week in a situation where you had to win? I guess where, where do we have the Cam Akers line at? Oh, Lord, no. Uh, comfortable is not in my vocabulary when it comes to anybody on the Rams right now. Uh, I think I could easily see Kyron Williams coming out and just being the lead guy. This seems a lot like, you know, the, the Shanahan years where it's just you could see any one of these guys leading from week to week just based on the game plan. Sean McVay is just tinkering right now. He really doesn't have much to work with. So uh, Cam Akers did score twice. Like you said, 17 carries, 60 yards. But he has not been very good or very efficient with uh, his touches. So I could easily see them just pivoting to someone else. Obviously, he's, he's probably worth a pickup at this point just because of the state of the running back position. But uh, I would be very, very worried if I was uh, trusting Cam Akers in my lineup. Yeah, absolutely. I think I agree with you. If you're in any kind of situation where you have to win and get in, I would be very hesitant to play Cam Akers. But if he's out there on waiver wires and, like we said, with the running back situation, you just never know who's going to be the one to come out and win you a championship, I would you know throw him at the end of your bench if he's out there. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to what I thought was going to be probably one of the most exciting games of the week. Miami at San Francisco. San Francisco ended up kind of running away with this one, 33 to 17. Um, really on the Miami side, you're only happy if you had Tyree kill. He went nine for 14, 146 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jalen Waddle had a, had a bust game and you're going to want to make sure you monitor his leg injury. I believe they are... Let's see, they're 8-4, and four. so they, they could lose this upcoming week and they'd still be in the playoffs. Um, 
even if basically every other team wins. So I'd imagine Jalen Waddle, if he's not you know healthy, he's not going to be out there for a full um, snap share. So just keep an eye out for that. Um, but really, I think the biggest conversation is the running back room. And do we take much away from this week? Mostert out carried Wilson seven to one, um, but neither were impactful for fantasy football. I do believe they have a little bit of an easier matchup coming up next week. The Chargers. Uh, let me pull, uh, yes, thank you. The Chargers. So I, this is coming from someone who has Jeff Wilson and has been flexing him pretty consistently. Do you think that it just kind of swings back into Jeff Wilson's fla- uh, favor next week? Or does this, you know, Moster getting the carries this week kind of swing it back to where we think it's going to be a timeshare? Man, uh, I have to imagine that Wilson will be more productive moving forward. I think you can keep him in your lineup, especially, like we said, that the Chargers matchup is pretty juicy. They've been really bad against the run, but I have no idea what happened here. I mean, it's not like the, the 49ers blew them out to any degree. This was a pretty close game for most of it, but only one carry for Jeff Wilson. Uh, I did not see a ton of this game, I'll be honest. Um, I, you know, was just kind of looking at some of the highlights afterwards. But uh, I, I hope you, if you have some more insight for me, please give it to me. But I, I was shocked when I saw that he only had one carry in this game. Uh, I, I have no rhyme or reason for why that happened. I don't, I didn't see anything about him being injured or, you know, anything about that. So. Jeff Wilson, I think we just have to chalk this up to an anomaly, but just to know that this is a possibility is pretty scary. Yeah, absolutely. I I thought he was injured, and Sleeper just wasn't updating the app whenever I was checking my matchup with Eric because I saw the one rush for three yards, and it just never changed. And I was like, what is going on here? And just, I don't see, I couldn't find any injury designation or anything like that, any rhyme or reason, but... Um, yeah, unfortunately, just neither running back got any involvement. And like you said, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a blowout until really towards the end of the fourth quarter with um, some defensive touchdowns. So I I don't know. Not too not too sure there. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm with Nick. I do think Jeff Wilson would be the guy that I'd be more confident in next week. But definitely something to monitor. And if Mostert was dropped for any reason over the past couple weeks, just – maybe also worth picking up and adding to the end of your roster. Yeah, I think the other the other piece to just maybe if you want to, you know, give a, a, a knock in a favor of Jeff Wilson, the, the Miami Dolphins had 19 minutes of possession in this one. The, the 49ers had over Ooh. 40 minutes of time of possession. So that probably contributed to, you know, the overall lack of production for the Dolphins. Just uh, didn't have the ball very much. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so let's go ahead and get into the 49ers. I think that a lot of their options are going to be some interesting discussions here. This is the Brock Purdy show. Uh, Jimmy G will be done for the rest of the season. Brock Purdy, rookie out of Iowa State, will be coming in. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and start with the two players I think are going to have the least amount of impact. The first one, CMC. I expect plenty of dump down passes for him and a heavy workload out of the backfield. So CMC may actually get a little bit of an uptick because I think some of the other options just won't be able to be as involved as they have been. And then Debo, who's had a relatively disappointing season up until this point. I do think that he is going to get um, you know some more screen opportunities as well as we may see some running back Debo uh, make, make more of a return than we have seen so far this season. So those two guys I would still feel pretty good with the rest of the way. The two that I am concerned for are Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. Downfield targets aren't going to be nearly as plentiful as they have been under Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and that's where I think that's going to directly affect Ayuk. 
And then I do expect Kittle, you know, he's going to be probably blocking a little bit more with the inexperienced quarterback, probably spending a lot of time around the line of scrimmage. Um, The tight end position's tough. I mean, it's going to be hard for you to take Kittle out of your lineup just because you know what he's capable of doing. But I would, um, this is just my cause for concern. I think that he, he may be in for a disappointing rest of season. Yeah, I'm totally with you on CMC. I think it makes a lot of sense uh, to just have you know Brock Purdy dump it off to him a little bit more often. Obviously, like you said, a very inexperienced quarterback, seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant, actually the last pick of the draft, going to be starting for them the rest of the year. So Shanahan's system will be put to the test. But, yeah, CMC without uh, – you know, without Elijah Mitchell, got basically all the work. He should see uh, plenty of action moving forward, especially in the uh, the passing game. But Debo, I'm a little more concerned about. Uh, I you know I, I hope that you're right as far as uh, you know maybe he gets a little a little bit more work in the rushing game because of this. Just uh, trying to create some offense there. But uh, I am just worried that you know this Brock Purdy experiment could completely you know fall off uh if this passing game could just completely fall off uh, i i agree with you on the the Ayuk and kittle uh you know concern both of those guys it's going to be tough to see you know those two auxiliary options continue to be productive but i would throw debo in there as well i am uh pretty concerned i don't know what to expect from this uh seventh round rookie and i think Debo and Ayuk are both wide receiver threes for me rest of season at this point just uh no faith in that quarterback right now yeah, no, I, I don't blame you. He's actually, um, another fun stat here, the only Mr. Irrelevant quarterback to complete a forward pass in the NFL. So <laughs> basically <pretty> <laughs> everything he does from this point forward is going to be unprecedented with his draft status. So um, yeah, I, I don't think, D, I mean, I don't know if I'd go as far as wide receiver three. I'd maybe still give Debo just a little bit of a tick up than you are, but I, I understand your sentiment there. Um, do you have anything else you want to add about Miami or San Francisco? Uh, I'm just going to throw out my stat of the game real quick. Uh, according to Elias Sports Bureau, Trent Sherfield's 75-yard TD to open the game was the fastest score in the NFL 10 seconds in since the Atlanta Falcons in 2016. So fun little nugget for you. Uh, beyond that, though, the Dolphins really kind of got shut down. The San Francisco defense is very, very good. Absolutely. Anything else? That should do it for me. Are you sure? I'm okay okay with waiting. No, no, I think we should move on to this next game here. (laughs) All right, here we go. Kansas City at Cincinnati. Cincinnati ends up taking this one 27-24. I am going to steal your stat of the game here just because I think it's a great way to lead this whole game off. Uh, Joe Burrow is 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes is 67-16 against everyone else. Joe Burrow uh, joins Tom Brady as the only other quarterback or I guess probably team is maybe not team only other quarterback to have beaten Patrick Mahomes head-to-head uh three times so um as a Kansas City Chiefs fans fan I will say the Cincinnati Bengals scare me way more than the Buffalo Bills do they they have their number that to say the least um but let's start on the Kansas City side. Let's keep it to fantasy until I throw it over to Nick and he lets me have it. My opinion hasn't changed about Mahomes or Kelsey. I mean, those guys, are you're playing them every single week, even though they are coming off what you'd consider dud games. Um, Pacheco, I mean, really nothing really changed here for me with him either. He's more valuable in non-PPR. He can be flexed in PPR. He is finding the end zone um, a little bit more than... Um, he was whenever he first kind of took over the backfield. So if you're in a deep PPR league, I think Pacheco's an option there. But if you're in a shallow PPR league, I'm still looking other 
other ways. Um, and then the Chiefs receivers are just a complete crapshoot. So if you're trusting a Juju, a Kadarius Tony, an MVS, or anybody like that coming down the stretch of your fantasy playoffs, I would uh, be hitting the waivers hard and maybe trying to find someone that I can trust a little bit more. Or hopefully you have someone on your bench you can trust a little bit more than these Chiefs guys. But um, Nick, from the fantasy side on the Chiefs, do you have anything you want to add there? Yeah, uh, I, I think you kind of nailed it as far as uh, the way I view these guys moving forward. Maybe a little bit higher on Pacheco, honestly. I just think he's looked pretty good. Uh, the, the only concern with him is that Jarek McKinnon gets a lot of the high-value touches there, gets most of the snaps yep. in the red zone, uh, and basically all of the third down snaps as well. Uh, Pacheco, on his you know one of his few red zone snaps, did come through with that touchdown, but he is going to have some empty empty production. I just like what I've seen from him as a player. He's a pretty hard runner and uh, has you know just impressed oh, yeah. me from an eye test standpoint. So uh, I think that would be the one thing I'd add there. But yeah, it's Mahomes and it's Kelsey, and then uh, Pacheco and McKinnon are both options. But uh, the the rest of the receivers, I'm just I'm not touching right now. For sure. And then on the Cincinnati side, Samaj P. Ryan with an absolutely boom game. Um, excuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, his usage this week and last week have been just unbelievable. Uh, Mixon managers have to be excited to see their guy coming basically back into probably more like 75 to 80% of that role. I imagine P. Ryan's still going to get some of the third down work, uh, especially with how good he has looked. But um, yeah, their just running game in general really got it going over the past month. Um, and then, you know, I mean, Joe Burrow, he's an every week starter. I didn't mention him in the notes at all. He's been unbelievable for fantasy over the past month. And then on the wide receiver room, I think we're kind of back to the point where it's Chase and Higgins are the two guys that you want. And then Boyd did have a solid day, but I imagine he's going to be more up and down. And then, you know, like I said, Chase and Higgins are going to be those more consistent options that you want, especially for your playoff push. Yeah, uh, Samaj P. Ryan, absolutely elite handcuff. Uh, it's it's kind of funny with these these type of handcuffs guys, these Alexander Madison types. Uh, they they are almost better when they're starting because they don't have to deal with themselves as the backup uh, when their starter is out. Uh, so they just get you know all of the work. In this case, P. Ryan got 28 opportunities. Uh, did not even end up getting into the end zone, but ended up with uh, let's see here. 155 total yards and six catches. So a uh, really, really good day for him. He's a, you know, he just looks the part and as a, as a solid back basically looks a lot like Joe Mixon out there when he's, uh, when Nixon's down. And then, yeah, I think Chase and Higgins are the two guys you want. Boyd is a, is a boom bust flex at best. Uh, he's going to have probably one more game where he hits a big play. He just kind of likes to do that occasionally. But uh, yeah, other than that, I think it's uh, just Chase and Higgins and Chase will continue to get worked in. Uh, looked pretty good. Looked healthy in this one, I would say. Yeah, Jamar Chase looked really good in this one. Um, coming right back and oh, just under 100 yards, I believe he ended up with seven receptions for 97 yards. So came right back and it was his big play self. So um, if you threw him right back in your lineup, you were pretty happy with that. Uh, any other comments here about this game that either of you two would like to throw out there before we go ahead and move on and put this one behind us? <laughs> uh, I, it's going to take me a while to put this one behind me. I'm going to celebrate this for the, for the rest of the week. <laughs> okay. I think from a Sounds Chiefs fan's good. perspective, uh, this is – I mean, the first two games you guys played against the Bengals were, you know, tight affairs. Both of them went down to the wire. Uh, I think either team could have won. But uh, to my eyes, this was the first game the Bengals kind of just – whipped you up and down 
basically uh, you know the entire game. I think you were kind of lucky to be in this one to start. Tyler Boyd dropped a touchdown that was put right in his pocket. I don't know how he dropped it, but uh, he did. He and did. then obviously, uh, you know, I believe. Uh, do you know, do you remember who it was that made that play for you on that fourth down play? Uh, I, I'm trying to remember, but you had so, you, the the Bengals had a, had the ball at about the four yard line on a fourth and one, and uh, one of your defensive ends made a great play in the backfield on. Uh, on that drive. So they got three points oh, out of those yeah. two drives where they probably could have easily had 14 and really put this thing out of reach. But um, yeah, I think, I think the Bengals just present a lot of matchup issues for the chiefs. And I think you guys are going to really want to avoid them in the playoffs. Uh, luck- luckily for you, the Bengals have some flaws of their own. Uh, your team structure does not really allow you to exploit them, but they could easily lose to one of these other AFC contenders. I think uh, if they've, they matched up against the Bills with a healthy Von Miller and a good pass rush. That would be that would be a bad matchup for the Bengals. Yeah, the, I will say the Chiefs did have uh, their rookie Karloftis and Frank Clark both miss with uh, illnesses this week. So if they got whatever I had, I feel bad for them. But uh, that those two guys do make a little bit of an impact on that defensive line. At least they have to this point. But yeah, I mean they are. I mean if we had to play, if I had to choose between playing the Bills or the Bengals in the AFC Championship game, whether it's in Kansas City, Buffalo, or Cincinnati, I would pick the Bills all day. I do not want to have to see the Bengals again if I don't have to. Carlos Dunlap. Thank you. Okay, I, I knew he was a former Oh, Bengals Dunlap had it. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. He made on, uh, I believe it was Trent Taylor in the backfield. But, yeah, that's, yes, that's the that key was you guys. A you need a pass rush against, uh, against Joe Burrow uh, because you can't blitz him. You just These receivers are just too good on the outside. You can't cover him one-on-one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the Chargers at the Raiders. The Raiders, uh, the resurgent Raiders, coming, pulling this one out, 27-20. to 20. Um, Let's go ahead and start with the Chargers here. Both Eckler and Herbert uh, had dud games. I don't think anyone's worried about Eckler moving forward. Um, but I do want to touch on Justin Herbert real quick. Are you going to potentially take a look to stream any of these next four weeks? He plays Miami, Tennessee, Indianapolis, and the Rams. I'd say those are you know either good to at least average matchups, but uh, Justin Herbert just has not looked like himself really down at any point in this season. So are you concerned about him at all from a fantasy perspective to the point where you'd pivot to you know a streaming option? I don't think so. Um, I don't. I don't know any of, of any streaming options that are necessarily going to be above Herbert, especially in these matchups coming up. That Miami game should be a shootout, um, and that Tennessee game again. They have a pass funnel defense, so that should be uh, a positive matchup for Herbert in that sense. And then the other two, like you said, kind of neutral matchups. But uh, I, I don't think this is a Justin Herbert problem as much as it is a offensive line and you know lack of pass catching options problem. He doesn't really have anybody that can beat defenses over the top right now. Not a lot of separators on his team. Keenan Allen at this stage of his career more of just a slot possession type of guy. So I think he really really misses Mike Williams right now. If he can, uh, if this offensive line can you know get it figured out to some degree, and then Mike Williams comes back, I think Herbert will be just fine. He is, uh, he's kind of just having to play hero ball out there. My, my stat of the game sort of accentuates that issue. He was hit 14 times in this one as well as being sacked five times. Hard to play quarterback when, uh, you know, you're constantly being pressured as he was in this one. Meanwhile, Derek Carr on the other side hit just twice and sacked zero times. So I think that's kind of the key from this game. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go ahead and talk about those pass catchers. Um, Allen and Everett had good games for their positions. Uh, Palmer also had a solid game if you threw him in this week. 
Keenan Allen, 6 for 14, 88 yards and a touchdown. Palmer, 7 for 11, 60 yards. And then Everett, 5 for 6 for 80 yards. Um, again, pretty soft matchup here. I, I if, if their offensive line was a little bit better, I would have imagined even some of these you know guys probably would have had even better days. But, oh, yeah. again, with Justin Herbert just constantly under pressure, it's hard for him to complete, you know, a be a very very good quarterback for these options so but i mean you're not necessarily upset with any of them um really moving forward i mean palmer is probably out of starting contention once mike williams comes back um are you still okay with everett at the tight end position if both allen and mike williams are out there yeah i think he's a low-end starter uh he's just like like we've talked about this whole episode the tight end position is just completely barren right now and he's on a pretty good offense that's going to throw the ball quite a bit and i think he's looked the part you know he's looked pretty good so i think he's uh you know he's he's a seven to eight nine type of guy at the tight end position it's going to be hard to you know i wouldn't be streaming him for uh you know Jawan johnson those type of guys that are like touchdown or bust so i think he has a little bit more to offer than those types for sure and then on the vegas side i think it's very simple josh jacobs and Devonte adams are insane and at this point pretty matchup proof um we should see Waller and Renfro maybe make a return within the next couple of weeks, but that does not change my opinion about Adams or Jacobs. Um, really, Waller, just because he's a tight end, if he gets back out there, he could potentially get back into your lineups. But besides that, the Raiders are going to be super simple moving forward for the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, this week against the Rams has uh, turned into somewhat of an easy matchup as this defense and just team has deteriorated as a whole, so that one should be just fine for them. Uh, the the matchups after that do concern me a little bit just for their upside, but you, you can't sit them. Uh, their lineup locks moving forward. No, uh, no questions asked. Absolutely. All right, Sunday night football. If you saw Nick in the stands at this one, you weren't just seeing things. He was actually there. Uh, Dallas ended up trouncing Indianapolis 54-19, to but most of that blowout basically came in the fourth quarter where they scored 33 unanswered. Um, so I just want to say Nick must have uh, put a word in with Dallas that he wanted personal revenge for that Thursday night football game that he traveled to Denver earlier this year and saw a 12-9 um just field goal fest so yeah this one was anything but that um let's go ahead and start on the indianapolis side i think it's pretty simple the colts are ugly jonathan taylor's really the only guy that's reliable and if he doesn't get in the end zone he's most likely not going to have a great game hard to be efficient when uh i mean dallas is a tough defense as well but it's a tough matchup for him but i don't know i'm just I'm very concerned about Jonathan Taylor moving forward, and it really just stems from Matt Ryan. Just He does not have the ability to really move the football up and down the field anymore. So red zone opportunities are going to be a little bit more slim, as well as just efficiency is going to be probably down for Jonathan Taylor the rest of the year. It's pretty much just eliminate the run game and make Matt Ryan beat you if you're a defense playing Indianapolis. So... Those pass-catching options, Alec Pierce had the good game this week. You also have Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr. All wide receiver three to flex types at this point. Matt Ryan just does not have that ability to elevate anybody. Yeah, as a man that has watched Matt Ryan play way too much football in person this year, I can tell you that I completely agree with this sentiment. Um, it's you know he's he's behind a below average offensive line with uh, you know average to maybe even below average pass catchers. It's just not a great recipe for an aging quarterback that is clearly 
just lost some of his ability. Doesn't have quite the same ability to drive the ball to the sideline as he once did, and uh, just does not have any mobility anymore. So, uh, yeah, with that in combination with the bad offensive line, does not lead to a lot of good things for the Colts. Absolutely. On the Dallas side here, I wish that those Pollard and Gallup touchdowns would have went Zeke and uh, CD's way. That really would have helped me go a long way this week. But besides Dalton Schultz, there's really no one that you would be you know, disappointed in this week. I think Pollard and Zeke are both lineup locks, really higher-end RB2s. And I know they're kind of touchdown-dependent because Pollard – I mean, he did actually get some red zone work this week, but he typically doesn't. But, I mean, they're high-end RB2s, and on any given week, either one of them two are most likely going to end up as an RB1. So um, both those guys are in your lineup. CeeDee Lamb is in your lineup, of course. Um, he I'm, Obviously, Nick saw it, that, tu- that touchdown, but he <laughs> didn't get tackled but got brought to the ground, popped oh, right back crazy. up, and... Uh, you get to see one of those. It seems like once a year in the NFL, so it, it was cool to see CD pull that one off. Um, but I do think the name that you know should draw a little bit of attention is Michael Gallup. Um, if he's out there, I don't mind picking him up this after this performance. But um, only went four for seven for twenty three yards. Just happened two of those catches were in the end zone. So a little bit tough to trust that on a week to week basis. But you know if you're in a situation where you have to, you know, throw a flex option out there, I mean, Gallup can be that. But do you have any more encouraging words for Gallup? I really don't think that he's anything too special for fantasy moving forward. No, I think if you're throwing him in there, you're just hoping for a touchdown. I think the the, the bigger problem with Gallup moving forward is uh, Odell Beckham is almost certainly going to sign with these Cowboys, and that should uh, really eat into his snap share uh, moving forward. So might have another week or two where you can you know throw him in your flex and hope for a touchdown, but uh, that should kind of take away any long-term potential for the, uh, the you know the fantasy playoffs for him. Yep, absolutely. And like I said, you're disappointed with Dalton Schultz, but I don't think that uh... – Oh, yeah, that you're going to pivot or anything like that. It just happened to be that the uh, touchdowns did not go his way this missed, week. He did have he, one. Yeah, he missed a touchdown yeah. by just a bit. It was right in his pocket. It was a great throw by uh, Dak Prescott down the seam. Uh, caught it right over the top of the defender's head, but I, th- I believe it was just knocked out. It was a good play by the defender in tight coverage on him. So uh, if he scores that touchdown, you're not even worried even a little bit. But, yeah, tight end's horrible. Dalton Schultz is locked in as a – really a top five option to the forward. Yeah, for sure. And then let's go ahead and discuss Monday night football here. Um, New Orleans and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay ended up squeaking this one out 17-16. to 16. Really just, I believe they put up 14 points in the last Boy. six minutes of the game, maybe the last four minutes of the game. I mean, it was basically nothing up until, um, you know, Tom Brady did his fourth quarter magic and ends up, you know, squeaking this one out, which – they really needed to. They could not really afford to lose this one and keep giving the Falcons hope on a week-to-week basis. So um, glad that they kind of hopefully put somewhat of an end to the Falcons season, at least um, at this point, unless they unless they go on a losing streak. But let's start on the uh, let's start on the Saints side. Really, my question here is: Are, are you happy or confident to play anyone? on the Saints roster come playoff time. Um, Kamara and Ingram split work. Andy Dalton isn't good enough to support Olave as the you know high-end wide receiver two that he was earlier in the year. 
And Taysom Hill's a tight end, so, I mean, you you can use him based off positional need, but you're not going to be very excited on a week-to-week basis. You know, I, I, Kamara's probably the biggest name there. You know, Olave's still a rookie, but these guys moving forward, do you have any encouraging anything encouraging to say about this team or any of these offensive pieces? The only encouraging thing I have to say about these offensive pieces is that they play Atlanta and Cleveland coming off the bye. So that is, uh, you know, a little bit easier sledding than they've had the past few weeks. They've gone up against uh, Tampa, obviously tough defense on the road, San Francisco the week before that, probably the best defense in the NFL Uh, had the Rams the week before that. They actually did pretty well in that game. And then at Pittsburgh in the game before that. So, Three of the last four games they played, you know, arguably three of the top five or six defenses in the NFL on the road. And obviously, I agree that this offense is just, you know, in the bottom half of the league for sure. But I think some easier matchups may lighten it up a little bit. It's it's, Camara especially was very concerning tonight. It seemed like him and Ingram were splitting work almost evenly. So that would give me some decent pause. But I think uh, Alave especially. I'm going to be okay with him against Atlanta in round one at the playoffs if you have him on your team. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. I, I don't think you're going to be able to really bench Kamara or Olave, but they are just definitely someone to be concerned about moving into the playoffs. Uh, Justin and I in our dynasty league definitely need Kamara to uh, you know turn it around before it's too late for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On the Tampa Bay side here, uh, Godwin and Evans continue to be somewhat disappointing. Uh, the offense just doesn't seem to be able to turn it around. Um, I can't see benching these guys. You just have to manage expectations at this point. Godwin went 8 for 13 for 63 yards. Evan 4 for 4 for 59. Both did not get into the end zone. Doesn't look like big touchdown regressions coming their way with the way Tom Brady's playing this year. So, um, you know, again, maybe just manage expectations. Probably lower end wide receiver twos as opposed to, you know, the wide receiver one types that we've kind of been projecting throughout the rest of the year. Um, Rashad White and Kate Otten happen to be the two that got the touchdowns thrown by Brady. Uh, I think Kate Otten is streamable if Brayton misses. I don't necessarily love relying on a rookie tight end, but with how bleak the tight end landscape is, Kate Otten definitely deserves to be uh, looked at for um, you know his involvement in this offense as well as um, he's kind of become that safety blanket for Tom Brady. So if he can continue to be that, he should be pretty good. But that does become pretty concerning if Brayton does, uh, does happen to come back. And then I'll just touch on the running backs real quick. Um, Rashad White, Leonard Fournette, split carries. Uh, Rashad with 9 for 28, 6 for 8 through the air, 41 yards and a touchdown. Fournette, 10 rushing opportunities, 49 yards. And then 6 for 7 through the air for 32 yards. Um, you know, these are also going to be two tough guys. It's going to be – or two guys, it's going to be tough to bench either one if you're depending on either. But – with them kind of splitting carries here, you just don't know where the touchdown is going to go if it happens at all. Um, and if you take the touchdown away from Rashad White, you know, luckily they had a little bit of a safe PPR floor tonight, but neither of them were overly impressive and, you know, going to make me enthusiastic about throwing him in my lineup next week. Yeah, it's all about the uh, the targets for the running backs there. Eight for White and seven for Fournette. That'll uh, that'll keep your value at you know a, a baseline in PPR formats. Uh, they couldn't run the ball tonight, but they still both ended up with solid days in PPR situations just because of those targets. Uh, but 
uh, yeah, like you said, the wide receivers kind of are what they are at this point. We've come to expect low uh, low efficiency on high volume. Evans only four targets tonight, but he has traditionally struggled against the Saints pretty mightily throughout his career, so not terribly surprised there. Cody, are we putting a full embargo on the Buccaneers next week? They are at San Francisco. I, I can't imagine being comfortable starting any one of these guys. I, I don't know how they score 10 points against that defense. This That's just a horrible matchup for them with that pass rush, and Brady just looking old and does not have the ability to move through the pocket like he once did. So I uh, I think if, you know, in a one-week situation, I might be sitting all Buccaneers next week if possible, maybe Godwin being the one exception. But, um, you know, that's... I was going to really say, Godwin is the the one guy next week. If there's going to be one to have a big game, please let it be Godwin because I need him. So yeah, <laughs> besides I, that, I, I think you're, you're right, though. I mean, is, hard to get away from i mean 13 in this one and he's seen you know he's seen double digits basically every week for the past five or six weeks so hard to sit godwin but i think basically everyone else i would be really trying to pivot off of if you can yeah especially if you're in a a must-win situation i mean if you have mike evans you probably know more than i have but there's been a lot of weeks this week or this year where he has probably cost you wins more than you know he's been a big contributor to the wins you have gotten. So uh, with that being said, yeah, I mean, San Francisco is going to be tough. I I don't think that, you know, Evans has not done enough this year to uh, warrant just being locked and loaded into your lineup. So if you have another wide receiver two or, you know, maybe a higher volume wide receiver three option, you definitely have to consider pivoting uh, against that San Francisco defense. Yeah, the biggest problem that I see with Evans is that he's obviously more of a downfield threat. His routes take a little bit longer to develop, and uh, Brady has just not ever had the time to let that happen. So he has just been kind of phased out of the offense to a degree just because uh, his offensive line has not given him the opportunity to let Evans uh, do his thing. So tough, uh, just tough situation for Mike Evans. I think you're going to need to wait for a better matchup than San Francisco to feel comfortable playing him. I agree with you. Well, that wraps up week 13. Um, I don't really have much else to add here. I'm curious to see what happens with the Baker Mayfield saga, see if anyone's willing to pick him up or just add him after he uh, goes through waivers. But besides that, Nick, do you have any? Yeah, I I don't think so. I, I don't think that they will want him necessarily i think that at this point with how good your team is you just want a serviceable quarterback that's not really gonna ruffle any feathers and i think baker mayfield may just be um i don't know he may just his personality may be the reason why he doesn't get picked up because um you by the 49ers specifically I hope Josh Johnson gets a shot there if, um, you know, if Purdy struggles, which is a very, a very likely possibility considering he was the last pick of the draft. But uh, he's just always been, you know, someone I've been rooting for throughout his career. Seems like he's always plays well when he gets an opportunity and in that Shanahan system, he might, you know, might be able to thrive. So hopefully he gets a chance if Purdy struggles. Yep, absolutely. Um, there is one game that we I don't think that we touched on. Uh, oh. Did we mention the uh, the Denver Broncos slugfest that they put out this week? I may or may not have purposely left it off of the notes, but um, <laughs> that uh, that ten to nine game does not need any any uh, anyone to talk about uh, that situation. I think the one team that we can or the one guy we can mention is maybe Gus Edwards moving forward. 
he had a really disappointing game. Him and Kenyon Drake basically split work. So I think I'm going to need to see it from one of those two to uh, really trust them moving forward. That was a, that was a pretty disappointing situation to see Edwards. Uh, well, I think he only got six carries in that game. That was surprising. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. There's not really much to add there about those two teams at this point with uh, Lamar going down. So, um, But, yeah, no, I don't have anything else to add. I am ready to go ahead and get out of here. Justin, do you have any uh, words of wisdom for the people? Uh, I hope everyone has the uh, best of luck in their fantasy leagues. I hope whoever needs a, a dub this week gets it, especially us, Cody. Um, <laughs> So, Justin, yeah, we'll be watching my, uh, you from the sidelines this postseason. Uh, so he'll be, uh, rooting, uh, he'll be rooting you on uh, from the stands. In, in our league, sure, but we I got out of my five leagues, I at least got one chance. So well, <laughs> we're there. there you go. We that's, we that's are locked and loaded in the playoffs in that league, uh, but it does not look like we're going to have a chance at a bye week. So we're going to be sweating yeah. it out there in two weeks, hopefully uh, moving on. I, I guess that's a. a yeah, never, never mind. The play, the trade deadline did pass. I forgot I tried to make yeah. a trade earlier, but oh well. Well, hopefully Kamara turns it around. If he does, if he can turn it around for us, then our the rest of our roster looks pretty solid. We just as long as Tua plays and he's healthy, uh, we're kind of relying on him a little bit too. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, let's get out of here, boys. See you guys. Sounds good. I'll talk Peace to you out. soon. Yep. <laughs>